Hello and welcome. You are listening to IFSEC Global's new podcast, Security in Focus. We'll be bringing you exclusive interviews with leading figures in the physical security industry to get to the heart of the profession. How and why do people get into it? What are the major trends ahead and what advice do they have for others? We'll aim to cover all of this plus lots more in our discussions. I'm your host, James Moore, the editor of IFSEC Global. And on this episode of the podcast, we are going to be covering the importance of a diverse industry, why growing a professional network is so important for security professionals, and the convergence of the physical and cyber risk management worlds. If you're a regular reader of IFSEC Global, you'll notice we've spoken a lot about all of these topics, but in particular, why encouraging the development of a more open and diverse industry is so important to the sector. There's a reason it's on the global agenda for companies, associations, governments, and the rest after all. We'll also delve a little into the crossover of departments and why collaboration is a crucial tool for anyone involved in risk management to have. The cybersecurity and physical security worlds really are growing ever closer, as we know. So we discuss why one really can't ignore the other anymore. Bringing all the expertise to the topic is our guest for this episode, Letitia Emiana. Aside from being our first guest of the podcast, Letitia is the Global Security Capability Manager at Unilever and is also the ASIS International UK Chapter Chair and Board Director. Having been involved in ASIS, or ASIS as it's often known, for much of her time in the profession, her role as UK Chapter Chair also involves balancing her day-to-day duties with Unilever. She explains here how important building connections have been throughout her career and how she had to challenge her own stereotypes when being approached to apply for the ASIS chair role. I do think it's one of the best associations for people with aspirations to being either working in a global space or working across communities and cultures, because whilst there's some amazing associations that give you country or a topic specialisms, I think what I notice in myself is that I'm more of a generalist. I see myself a bit of a jack of all trades type of person, master of very, very few. But that network allows me to find those specialists. That network allows me to interact and test thoughts and ideas and understand how it's going to be received in different cultural contexts and environments. So, When I started ACES, my line manager at times says, you need to get in with an association. It's how you build your network. Just find one you're comfortable with. And I think when I was starting out, my aspirations, I would never have seen myself where I am today. Never. But what I did know was that I quite enjoyed travel. I wanted to see the world. So let me look at something global. Again, shoot for the moon and enjoy the journey on the way, right? And that's sort of what I did. So at the time, there was, in my opinion, very few associations. I think in the UK, back in around 2005, which is when I started looking, there was really only the Security Institute, the Association of Security Consultants, and ACES yeah. really were the ones to join. And back then, the only one that seemed to me being a young female entering security that felt the most welcoming was ACES. And that's why you'll hear me talk about the welcome being the most important part for me for new members to try to recreate how I felt when I joined. The big two I, I feel like I, you know of now is are and both seem to have grown in the last even in the last couple of years is, is ASIS in the UK and 
the security institute i think both are doing great things i think both have got great initiatives and it's interesting you say that it's just whichever one you feel more comfortable in at that given time and yeah it's almost like how people choose universities in, in some ways you don't you don't know really what you're going to expect and you enter it and then suddenly it's like home and you feel a real affinity to that from you know the whole time you're there and you you'd always look back at it and go i, I wouldn't choose a different path i you know i'm so glad i went to this particular association or whatever it may be and i think i have noticed speaking to lots of people in the industry is that associations are if you want to push yourself and you you want to network and understand different views and ways of doing things then in this industry more than most i think it seems to be a really key part of your kind of professional development i guess i don't know how best to communicate this or articulate so i'm just going to use my words which are not necessarily right but i've always felt pressure to be the person who has the answer. I'm very much in how I operate, somebody that wants to produce a solution very quickly because we work in a space where there's problems and challenges and people will come to the security department where they perceive it to be a security issue and want answers. And they want them pretty damn quick. And if you don't have the answer, you've got to be able to get the answer quick. And the only way to do that is through networks because I do not profess to know everything I want to. And I might have a view, but where I'm nervous and I get that gut instinct of just hold off, give them a party line, just, you know, pause for a moment, just go and check in quickly with a few people. I'll jump straight on LinkedIn. I've got a few people that I now have ring fenced in certain, in my mind, in certain areas where they talk my language. Now, you've got to be careful of confirmation bias with a lot of this. But at the same time, it's just good to test your ideas with others, even though they may be similar. And the really scary bit is if you've got the time, test it with people that you know are not of your mindset and test it with them as well. Or test it with a stranger. You know, you get these opportunities to connect like this. You know, well, I've got you. Can I just try something with you? They're the best ways of making sure that what you're doing is as rounded as it can be at that moment in time, because we all make mistakes. But most of the time when we address an issue or we get told you made a mistake there, you go back and you say, well, this was the information that I had at the time. This is what I did to give you that answer. And if they can understand that you did it and you checked in with people, you can't really be hauled over coals because that was the information you had at the time. And as long as you can justify it, then it can be defended. Yeah, I guess, you know, the word is due diligence. If you've done what you think you can and you've spoken to the people that are best placed to kind of give you advice, then it's just a learning for everyone that, oh, okay, this time that didn't maybe work as well as we'd like or whatever it might be. And security is um, so dynamic, right? Like yeah. there's no necessary one size fits all answer because as you'll find, everybody has a different backpack that they're carrying. Everybody has a different set of perspectives. Everybody carries a stereotype. Everybody has a different set of components that makes things very different. And so I think there's always learnings come out of every situation. It's just how dramatic is that learning and how much impact and, you know, realignment needs to be done as a result. So I think that's where you sort of go forward and you might see that in your career. Like I look back and I think, oh, I made a few corkers there, but actually the impact wasn't that dramatic and it was accepted as a learn. Whereas I do see some people going through that process and then they get fired and you're like, that isn't a cult. That's a cultural issue rather than a growth opportunity. 
And do you perceive the security department in, in any company to be a really important part of that kind of cultural way of doing things? To, that to is of... a really tough question. I've had a really great discussion with Stu Nash yesterday, our treasurer, because he's doing some thesis. He's working at the moment on research. And again, I maybe class myself as really fortunate. I've been part of a really big organisation in Lloyds Banking Group where culturally, they were looking after their people. Yes, it's a business. Yes, we're there to make money. Heavy regulated as well. So maybe I was just really fortunate to be in that growth environment in my early career, which then helped me when I did go to Amazon and Tesla. Again, huge names, huge big opportunities there. But what it allowed me to understand was who was I in the security world? Where did I fit in? And it also allowed me to sort of be able to help change culture. Now, at Lloyd's IT, if you like, was the forerunner. That was the big cyber age and everybody becoming digital. So physical security always does seem at the moment to take a little bit of a backseat, but only if you allow it to. Because I think where you get the best knowledge and the best insights is we are particularly good at risk management. It's just the natural makeup of how we operate. So being risk managers, not just in physical security, but as I'm learning, our cybersecurity colleagues are not us in IT. Mm -hmm. They have a unique niche and a unique set of experiences and perspectives that don't always encompass the physical world. And even though when they do their qualifications, there is a physical component in cybersecurity, it's such a small part that it is often forgotten because we do such a great job traditionally in covering that. But when we don't speak about these crossover contents, you know, the insider threat program, how many people will say the insider threat program sits with the security department? I would argue if you really draw the line, it tends to sit with the cybersecurity team or the IT world, the insider threat, because a lot of them will see phishing and, you know, manipulation of systems as an IT issue. What they fail to sometimes put together is the jigsaw piece that it takes a person to do that. And the person is in the physical world and the person is gaining access to that laptop, normally through an access control system. They're normally the employees. So are we doing the screening with HR? Are we talking with line managers to detect changes of behavior? Are we giving people too much access to server rooms? So therefore, bypassing the user controls on a laptop. All these things are the crossover elements that just need to be discussed. They may be in our controls. They may be already documented. But are we doing enough due diligence through chatting and checking in what I call collaborative controls? Because you'll find that they're silo controls. And sometimes those cyber controls are not actually holistically managed. Yeah, interestingly, that is exactly, we had an article the other day that was talking exactly about this. And it was a really interesting viewpoint on, you know, I've heard a lot about the convergence of physical and cybersecurity. You know, I speak to people like James Willison, who I'm sure you know, and Saab. And, and my bestest and, buddies, because I've been on the convergence bandwagon since I heard James talking in around 2011, just prior to the Olympics. And that's where a lot of my knowledge and desire and where I started working on the data center at Lloyd's Banking Group my knowledge of the convergence really took a foothold. Absolutely. Yeah. We work with him. He's one of the consultants at IFSEC on the Converse Security Center, which him and Saab have pushed um, for the last few years. And it's and it's 
one of the first things that you sort of learn about in the industry because they were so keen to kind of get in front of me and, and talk to me about this issue. And this article was saying exactly the same things you're saying. Is I didn't even think about it from a risk management perspective in terms of the physical security sector and, and the individuals involved are trained in risk management and obviously technology and, and physical security devices and stuff. That might not be the same for cyber. They They are, as you say, a very specific and obviously knowledgeable set of skills on how to stop phishing attacks and all this kind of stuff and different things that physical security guys have but it's joining that up and you know at the end of the day it's a person who is as you say the insider threat and i think that term you mentioned there behavioral changes is something that cyber people probably won't be looking out for and won't see as well as physical security some might but that's where i think another reason for the two teams to collaborate i think and one of the things that I introduced when I joined here at Unilever was suggesting to the director of security just generally that a working group of what I think he's termed it some sort of collaborative risk committee. But I said to him, even if it's just once a month, you all get together, you talk about the big stuff that's happening. As a risk manager, we can talk to HR, we can talk to IT. I've got him involved in our information protection council, which, again, really senior people in the company. And luckily, he has been credited and seen as part of the execs. He's not on an exec list, but, you know, you know that he's well known, he's well respected. And again, that was only elevated through COVID because of the risk management skills that just came out of the teams. So yeah, I could wax lyrical on so many different areas. And I I do see myself as living in a bit of a bubble because I've been really fortunate. I haven't been part of small companies or really, you know, those areas where you have to be a real jack of all trades. And I'm not talking about jack of all trades across security. I'm talking about being, you know, the facilities guy, the health and safety guy, you know, up at the NEC, you know, where they had the five halls. One of the big things that I noticed in the security hall were the amounts of facilities and health and safety fire people that were coming and looking for help around security. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I do have a bit of a blind spot when it comes to how can we better help these teams where these individuals are across multi-functions. So they're even more removed from the real areas of risk that we worry about in the big corporates. And there's big areas of learning in that space too. And that's sort of why I wanted to get involved with the fire sort of segment, just, you know, drip feeding ASIS is here. It's a not-for-profit. You can tap into the network and learn. I'm not saying you have to be in security to really be able to benefit from ACES, but these associations, they do cost money. It depends whether your company can see a value and a benefit in learning and understanding how to better improve their security risk management. IFSEC is always co-located with FireX. Two are very closely aligned, and that's why IFSEC Global, I cover fire and security. As well as we also have the facility show, health and safety and health exhibition. It's and so important nowadays. Yeah, even more so. I think we've moved towards intelligent buildings and mm-hmm. smarter systems. Because oh, I can go on. This is a whole other topic. Yeah. <laughs> it's on my objectives every year. It's the digital transformation, and we've got this big issue with smart technologies coming out, Internet of Things, but they don't realise that there's security vulnerabilities in that. Like one of the big things I'm really struggling with actually is globally getting global teams, not just Europe. Europe's a little bit easier in UK, but facial recognition. Do you realise that that is private 
personal sensitive information the minute you store that in whatever format that requires certain controls and the teams just don't know that and mm -hmm. they also don't know that it's not true facial recognition they also don't understand the science behind it which can produce false positives which then means actually it's a greater risk component than a card-based access control system i'm having lots of conversations with people going your computer does not go that's james and oh, there's James in the picture. It goes that point, that point, that point, and that point on that picture matches that, that, and that, which might not be James, but it doesn't know. I say that little things like that take so much time and energy to explain to teams. So if you imagine just doing that on facial rec, where you've got time and attendance now growing in facial rec, you've got obviously loads of sensors driving things for access control, CCTV. There's quality vision systems. I've been involved with vision systems now because they want to use cheaper technology from camera companies. And I'm like, the minute there's a person in that field of view, you're under my processes and controls because that person needs protection. And the only way to protect them is to have it in a server that's behind access control, that has a proper governance around how to retrieve information. And they're like, oh, how can I get rid of the person in the view? I said, well, you have to mask it. Yeah. So this is where security, I think, lends that value to other teams. But the security team then needs to be aware of what other teams are doing. And that then is the whole basis now of networking, communication, and being in a sphere of influence that really changes the dynamic of the security professional to one of go find the problems, tell them the problems, almost cover your back. Because if you've raised it, you've got to see it through. It's just responsibility. It's acting responsibly. But also accept that you can't change the world. That's not your budget. It's not your process. You know, and drip feeding things sometimes is the best way forward, but making sure that you're doing it proactively. Yeah, I, I, the word communication there for, I, I guess, for, uh, you know, the company that you've worked for and, and the, the size of them is, is probably the hardest thing to manage because if somebody does something to the other side of the world because they just thought, oh, it will achieve one of my objectives and it, it might be a tiny thing for them, like, as you say, in implementing you've got precedence. you got yeah. precedence. They'll go, oh, well, I don't know, I'll pick somewhere random. Bangkok Airport uses it, so it must be okay. Yeah. Oh, just because someone uses it does not mean it's okay. They didn't do their due diligence correctly. They may not have the right things in place. And I'm seeing a lot of that starting to pick up in the pace because, oh, well, if they've done it, it must be okay. Want to keep up with all the latest information, news and views from the global security and fire sector? All you've got to do is head to ifsecglobal.com. Browse the most recent stories on our homepage, or narrow down your shirts into categories covering every aspect of the physical security industry, from video surveillance and access control, right through to perimeter protection and smart buildings. So to make sure you don't miss out on all the latest, visit ifsecglobal.com today. You talked about obviously benefits ASIS and joining and, and the benefits of being a member. What motivated you to go that step further and become the UK chapter chair? This is going to sound really odd. I had my own stereotypes. Now, I've set up so many women in security groups, so many women's groups, you know, massive, passionate for getting more women involved because I, I did have a bit of a difficult journey. But it's been so rewarding. It is so up my street, what I do. It's just quite natural to me to do what I do. So when I was approached 
when somebody said, hey, Letitia, have you thought about? And I was like, no, no, I've always said I don't want to be involved in women in security at ACES because I do it for my day job in every job. No, no, the chair. And I was like, me? Are you mad? Like all these people that have gone before me, I really look up and I admire them. And I'm like, and you think I'm that? And I had my own stereotype and say, why? Do I not think I can do a good job at this? What is it that sets me apart from these people? And in my mind, these are all highly decorated ex-service military people, you know, older white men. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was only when I thought, well, who have I ever been able to go to? Who have I ever looked up to in security? And there was nobody. And I've never had a mentor, a senior female. Sue Seabee and Una Riley come close as people, but I never had the opportunity really to work closely or interact with them. So I can't even call them mentors, but I was aware of them. But that's the problem, right? So I thought, you know what? I love ACES. I want to give back. I am going to struggle. I've got a lot going on. I'm the sort of person that when I do something I commit, I give it 110%. And and my boss was very concerned because he knows what I'm like. And he's like, are you sure you can do this? Because I'm a volunteer football coach. I do so much more around the school environment for my son. I do a lot. And I was like, oh, am I doing the right thing? But basically, the really short answer was, I just wanted to be able to show that it is possible. It can be done. It's more acceptable. It's fun. It's exciting. And what better way to meet other young women and other young professionals, as well as older people, and show that this is a community for everybody if you've got the passion and the motivation and it's something that you weirdly sickly enjoy (laughs) which I do I love the pace I love the diversity of what can come into my inbox every day I just want to please people and give them what they want being able to do that and talk to people it just brought everything together for me being the chair of ACES it just allows me to talk passionately about security and about being a senior female in a really global role now and sort of maybe show some of the naysayers and the doubters from back in the early days that you can do it. It does take some tenacity and some resilience and a lot of learning, but people want to help. I think that's the biggest takeaway now. The amount of support I've had since I've joined from people I didn't expect it from has just been quite actually overwhelming and so lovely to go to that next level and have that support it's a point that has been picked up on well i've sort of seen quite a lot in the last couple of years it it happened a little bit with the black lives matter protests and stuff i remember watching michael holding a cricket commentator talking about the thing that basically it's very difficult to feel like you can be in a position of responsibility or power if you haven't seen somebody who looks like you in that position before and, and I know Lenny Henry's talked about it. He was like, everybody on TV, when all the comedians on TV when he was growing up were white males. And he was like, I can't do this because that's not me. And it was very difficult to see themselves in that position. And uh, speaking to a, a few uh, sort of leading women in the security industry, I, I think it comes across as a similar challenge that they you know, didn't necessarily have that person who has been in that position before to look up to. But now they and yourself are creating those positions and creating those roles where other women coming through can see themselves in these positions 
leading the discussion on security and, and professionalism in, in the sector. And it, it doesn't have to be that traditional white male dominating the sector anymore. Obviously, lots of them have been ex- incredibly experienced. And as you say, they've all been in, you know, incredibly knowledgeable in their own right. The diversity, I think, brings another aspect to the table, a different way of thinking sometimes. I think that's really important for what you're doing is, is, is really key to the development of that and the growth of that in the sector. It's been really noticeable on the board as well, actually, because security departments tend to be quite small and you typically are at a certain level. You're either a new entrant, you're either middle or you're top. There doesn't seem to be so much breadth, if you like, at the moment. And and I, I, I can only do that from my perspective through all the teams that I've worked with. And one of the things that you, you pick up on as well is at what point do you recognise that you've moved? And so I talk a lot about, I hate the term, but I'm going to have to use it because it's the most recognisable term, the imposter syndrome piece. I think a lot of women in traditional male-dominated environments who do succeed, and um, what I mean by succeed is make it to a perceived high level, do suffer from this. One of the biggest killers for me is personality. And I look across the industry at senior people in security, and they're all straight-laced. And they all work, dress a certain way. For a long, long time, I tried to fit into that mold. And I, for a long, long time, always felt that I was acting. And that reinforces this imposter feeling as well. So I tried breaking away when I joined Tesla, but I really did it in earnest with Unilever. And that's why it was a great time for me to do ACES, because I have come in to a group of people also living with this legacy of amazing predecessors and the knowledge. But people have different perspectives and different backgrounds, different personality. And that's where I do struggle still, because I do see myself as completely out of the mould, not only being a senior female, which is one thing, but I'm not dressed in black. I don't have this way of what you see is what you get and I do feel nervous because I know that is very different and people get nervous about that personality because they're like oh that doesn't shout security well that's again a stereotype of what we feel security is and if we can get away from that which is security is fun and security is for everybody but if you do it in a slightly more customer service way you know you have your offices at the front door instead of saying excuse me can I check your bag you're like hey Hi, welcome. We've got some procedures we need to do. Would you mind if I just take a look in your bag? What a different set of experiences security would benefit from if we could change that way and that approach to help 99% of our population is to help them be safe and secure wherever they are, whatever they're doing. Let's change that we're there as part of the brigade. Absolutely. I think it's something that I spoke to Mike about briefly, actually, at one point in that during the pandemic in that suddenly security guards and officers at retail stores were forced into this position where it wasn't just standing there, you know, waiting for something to happen and then obviously being the security guard. So, you know, seen in, in quite a negative manner, they suddenly had to deal with queues of people waiting to get into stores, speak to them about face masks, speak to them about social distancing, and it almost moved them into this customer service viewpoint they were the first people that people saw in, in, in yeah. uh, you know the entrance to retail stores or supermarkets interestingly we weren't categorized as key workers yeah to begin with Which, you know and the abuse and the and and everything that went with that learning and that sh- cultural shift to 
again, what I hope is, is, is a gap that I think the SIA also want to address in training. And I was speaking with Heather Bailey, SIA, I think, yeah. you know, looking at how we can help support some of that development through the SIA and, you know, IPSA with UNA and, and you know, even with Mike and the IFPO, those frontline teams need our support in order to help define what I, you'll hear if you listen to anything I talk about, we profile roles now instead of setting out skills. Skills can be learnt, but a profile of a person, ultimately, if they're customer service orientated and you learn these extra skills, that was my approach into security. My boss hired me because he was like, you know how to communicate. You can build trust really quickly. You can do these things as a person. Those things I can teach you. I can find money and I can pay to teach you those things. Mm-hmm. But let's find the profile of the person ultimately first. Psychometric testing is a really good way if it wasn't just focused on numbers and, you know, English all the time. Let's focus on integrity. Let's focus on customer service and want to help. These are things that I think can be improved. That was Letitia Emiana there, UK Chapter Chair of ASIS International and Global Security Capability Manager at Unilever. It really was a pleasure speaking to Letitia. I hope you found listening to her perspective on the industry as insightful as I did. As she explained, security really does involve so much more than simply challenging suspicious people now. I think the last couple of years have shown how crucial the security industry is to the day-to-day operation of businesses and people. And bringing a new approach to risks with diverse thinking may be central to challenging traditional and perhaps outdated views of the sector. No doubt the ASIS UK chapter is in good hands with Letitia as well. Education and networking really are as important as ever. And you can find out more about the association and what it offers from their website or various social media feeds. Thank you for listening to this Security In Focus podcast from IFSEC Global. If you're interested in more on the subjects raised in this podcast, we have several articles on ifsetglobal.com about the convergence of security and its growing importance in the industry. We've also spoken with several leading women in the security and fire sectors recently about the topic of creating a more diverse industry. So head to the website and search for the term IFSEC interviews for more on this. This has been a podcast from IFSEC Global. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn to keep up with the latest in the industry. Thanks for listening.